You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Anushree Sukumar, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, we're going to hear from our WICB news director, Beck Legato, as I speak with representatives from TEDx Ithaca and WICB news correspondent, Newt Andia, run to Firebrand Books to listen to a talk about their organization. But first, we have Leah McDermott and Inbayani Anbarasan with Community Beat, and George Christopher with a special episode of Politics Beat, looking into the minimum wage bump in the local area. The 2022 edition of the iconic football game between Ithaca College and SUNY Cortland, fondly known as Cortica Jug, will be held at Yankee Stadium as announced last year. And the game will be broadcast live on the YES Network, Ithaca College announced Thursday afternoon. According to Thursday's announcement, televising the game necessitated a schedule change, so the November 12th game will now be held at noon instead of 1 p.m. The Ithaca Tompkins International Airport continues to struggle post-pandemic even after receiving millions of dollars in funds to renovate the airport back in 2018. In response to the continued struggle of the airport, the Tompkins County Legislature proposed around $2.7 million in extra funds over the next three years in the 2023 budget, while the airport continues to try and recover from low ridership due to the pandemic. The Tompkins County Health Department is looking for a dog that bit a person on Wednesday, October 5th on West Seneca Street in Ithaca to make sure the dog doesn't have a rabies infection. The incident occurred about 6.30 p.m. in front of 325 West Seneca Street. The dog is described as a female black and brown Rottweiler puppy around four months old. Anyone with information about the dog is asked to call the Tompkins County Environmental Health Division at 607-274-6688. Over at Ithaca City Hall, Chief of Staff Faith Bavra and Director of Sustainability Luis Aguirre Torres announced that they both are retiring from their posts. Acting Mayor Laura Lewis thanked Aguirre Torres for his service to the city, specifically with the Ithaca Green New Deal, which sets a goal for being a carbon neutral city by 2030, in which he played a big role in helping to make sure the city remained on its desired track. Aguirre Torres stepped down this past week, while Vavra will remain working for a few more weeks. Mayor Lewis also thanked Vavra for her hard work and echoed a statement that Vavra made in which she said that she believed it was the job of the mayor to choose their own chief of staff. Both of their replacements have yet to be named. The Tompkins County Sheriff's Office has arrested a man in connection with a vehicle theft in the town of Dryden that occurred in late July. The man is also facing charges for passing a bad check. Police said Joshua Payne, 22, was charged with two felonies in connection with a burglary at Auto Works in the town of Dryden, fourth-degree grand larceny and third-degree burglary. He was additionally charged in connection to a fraudulent check passed at the Tops in Lansing on September 20th. Two migrants who came here to Ithaca from Guatemala have finally gained legal, legal residency here to the United States. Drusilla Francisco Mateo and her young daughter had been living in an apartment on the top floor of the First Congregational Church of Ithaca, which was built in 2019 to house refugees. Then they have been living there since July 2020. Mateo and her daughter have now found permanent housing and no longer face possible deportation. According to the Reverend of the Church, David Caden, the apartment is now open to any other migrant family who might need it. For Inbayini Anburesan, I'm Liam McDermott. On December 31st, 2022, the minimum wage in upstate New York will increase to $14.20 per hour. The 
increase as part of New York's gradual implementation of a statewide $15 an hour minimum wage, which was approved in the state's 2016 and 2017 budget. The minimum wage has already been raised to $15 in New York City, Long Island, and Westchester County. The rest of the state has seen its minimum wage increased at a slower rate, with the minimum stuck at $13.20 at the Cornell School of Industrial Labor Relations and directs the ILR into the collab which researches the effects of minimum wage increases. He says the faster increase downstate was due to more organizing in favor of wage increases in those areas as well as a higher cost of living downstate. But yeah, I mean, there's a problem because there are places upstate like Tompkins County where the cost of living is also higher and we didn't get a more rapid minimum wage increase. So that's why that's the background of this uh, living wage working group that I've been working on is thinking about, well, how do we get a minimum wage here in our area that is somehow in line with the high cost of living. However, Greer also points out that he's unsure how many in Tompkins County are still being paid under the new $14.20 minimum wage. Many local employers use the county living wage, which, according to the Tompkins County Workers Center, is calculated every two years by the Alternatives Federal Credit Union. Currently, 121 employers in Tompkins County are classified as living wage employers, including the Ithaca City Government and the Tompkins County Government. Greer says the living wage in Tompkins is currently calculated at $16.61 an hour. So it's going to have a, a bigger impact uh, elsewhere in upstate New York than it does in Tompkins County because Tompkins County already has higher wages than uh rest of upstate. Um, the, the places where it's really going to have a big impact if employers comply with it, and that is a big if, is going to be inner city um, majority black and brown communities in Rochester and Buffalo. One group who is not making above $14.20 an hour are most of the student employees at Ithaca College. IC uses a pay scale which divides student employees into four levels. A, B, C, and D, each with its own minimum and maximum wage. The minimum wage for all four levels is currently below $14.20, with the highest being $13.65 for D-level workers. In fact, the maximum wage for three of the four levels falls below $14.20, with just D-level workers having their maximum wage above the soon-to-be minimum wage. The school also offers graduate assistantships, which can be paid anywhere from $13.20 to $15.65. Kira Francisi is the Assistant Vice President for Human Resources at IC. She says the different levels are based on employee autonomy, skills, and responsibility. She also says IC will have to consider indexing the entire pay scale to reflect the changing minimum. That doesn't necessarily mean because the bottom's going up by $1 that the top will go up by $1, but that's kind of the analysis that we're going to do over the next several, the next several weeks, and we'll communicate that to campus. According to data provided by Franzisi, the vast majority of student employees, over 68%, are classified at level A, the lowest on the pay scale. 
The minimum for level A workers is the current 1320 minimum, while the maximum is just $13.80 an hour. Greer says that the fight for a livable wage continues beyond the yearly increases, and local activists like the Tompkins County Workers Center will continue the fight. There's a big campaign ramping up. Uh, uh, the Tompkins County Workers Center is involved in it, um, and um, there will be worker organizing to have more rapid minimum wage increases um, throughout upstate New York. You're listening to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Anushri Sukumaran. TEDx Ithaca is an organization on Ithaca College's campus that plans one large TED Talk event for anyone in the local community to speak on a certain topic or idea. October 22nd, TEDx plans to host an entire talk on empowerment with 10 different guest speakers coming from all places and backgrounds. WACB News Director Beck Legato spoke with three representatives from TEDx Ithaca, Camille Brock, Brady Spaulding, and Claire McGinnity. This coming October 22nd, TEDx Ithaca, an organization on Ithaca College's campus, is having a large speaker series featuring 10 speakers talking about all different aspects of empowerment. The 10 speakers includes Alyssa Davis, Dominic Catone, Eden Strong, Elizabeth Bleicher, Jen Rafferty, John Gustafaro, Luke Keller, Marie Devine All, Nyjah Young, and Yvette Sturbank. Three officials from TEDx Ithaca spoke with me about their experiences planning this event and what it entails for everyone who's interested. TEDx has been on hiatus for a couple of years before returning to campus and creating this event. Difficult because nobody knew what we were trying to do, especially with the pandemic being so uncertain, kind of trying to figure out where is the world headed? When can we even do this? but individuals have been really supportive once we have been like, this is needed and this is, like, this event is warranted. Like, that was Camille Brock, a junior communications management and design major who is the president of TEDx at Ithaca. Yeah. It was also hard because, I mean, we weren't even called, like, this organization wasn't even called um, TEDx Ithaca College, it was under a previous name. Um, so finding all the information for that, I know, it was really a struggle. And Camille was reaching out to, like, so many different people to try and get access to, you know, different information that they had. And it was, it was kind of a battle. <laughs> she did it. That was Claire McGinnity, a junior integrated marketing communications major who works as their treasurer. The individuals set to speak range in their backgrounds from students like Nyjah Young to those who have already visited campus before for some of their previous endeavors like Eden Strong. John Gustafaro also plans to speak, having built a reputation in the magician world. So TEDx is just, TEDx is an independently organized uh, TED event, so you have to apply for a license, and it's really just these independently kind of smaller community events I give individuals a platform to share their experiences and stories um, with either like the university or the community. Yeah, I feel like it's a a good grassroots kind of gathering (laughs) of ideas and celebrating stories and sharing experiences. 
TEDx is an affiliate of the TED Talk organization, utilizing different committees to plan and create this event. The committees include the marketing, events, finance, speaker preparation, and community outreach committees. Prior to now, uh, it's been a fairly small team. So each committee has essentially been headed by one member of the e-board, uh, sometimes two, depending on the committee. Uh, and then that individual has taken care of the majority of it. So for instance, we've got Sophia Nolfo, she's been on marketing. Um, but recently, as we get closer to the actual event and you know, going forward, we're not gonna be at Ithaca College forever. Uh, so to both of those points, we've started uh, recruiting more and trying to add more people to the team. And so the marketing department is starting to, to fill out a bit. The event planning department is getting bigger and, and, and stuff like that. So these groups that were originally just one person, they're now starting to expand into like the full committee that we initially intended for them to be. That was Brady Spaulding, a junior integrated marketing communications major who works as the co-events chair for TEDx Ithaca. When talking about how meetings typically operate, chaotic was one of the first words to come to mind, with the upcoming event occurring in just a few weeks. But we kind of we've been focusing on everything lately um, because our budget finally just came through. So being able to just yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So just kind of figuring out our last minute things that we need to pay for and get that. Claire and Brady bounced off of this idea, continuing that. Yeah, honestly, meetings have really varied because uh, this has been like a two-year process. Um, so each kind of different phase varied what we had to do. Um, like the first couple semesters, it was just primarily focused on, um, you know, figuring out what we wanted to do, what we wanted to talk about, um, and the basic logistics of planning it. And then next semester was all about speakers um, and getting the word out about, you know, people applying. Because um, it, it is so different of a mindset of having speakers apply versus, you know, planning the event and having people come to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been <laughs> crazy, but really fun. Yeah, really dynamic sort of club to be a part of. We've had the chance to wear a lot of different hats in the course of it. When talking about what the event entails, Claire spoke on the logistics of the event while Brady unpacked what the theme is and how it was able to allow for a wide range of topics. Um, basically, we're going to have doors open around 9.30 and the event will start at 10. Um, it is in Emerson Suites up in CC. Um, it's going to look great. And then <laughs> we're going to have um, our first five speakers um, featuring some alumni and some professors. Um, and then we will have a quick lunch break, um, we'll have a catered lunch, and then we will wrap up with the last five of our speakers, um, again with actual um, Ithaca student, um, other faculty members, and probably around three o'clock have closing remarks, and then, I mean, the speakers would love to probably mingle with anyone who is interested, so. As for, uh... The, the, the theme itself, I think one of the really cool things about going with empowerment is how broad of a concept that is, because it's allowed for us to uh, have this really fantastic um, broad pool of potential speakers to, to go through, and it's landed us some, some really cool uh, differentiated diverse topics um, for the actual conference. So 
Yeah. The range of topics that we cover is really interesting. Um, I think that's especially why we were going with empowerment was, I mean, when we were discussing the theme in general, every board member had a different idea of what they felt was empowering. Um, so we felt like it could extend to the greater Ithaca area. Camille jumped in quickly to additionally add that having people being able to share their own definition or their own take on it is important because that's like what the TED organization is all about. Talking about the process of finding speakers, Brady spoke on how he enjoyed the experience being able to learn about the background of so many different people in the local area. That was a really cool process, actually. Uh, We put out a form and people from all over came to apply. We got lots of people from right at Ithaca College, lots of people from the greater community, and then uh, some from even beyond who wanted to travel here uh, to, to speak at this conference. And so it was really difficult going through and, and, and paring that list down to just what we feel was the, the 10 best and most qualified, but we're really happy with the people we chose and we think it's going to be a really good conference. Brady and Claire spoke on the application itself and briefly touched on the issues they faced with learning about a speaker virtually. We asked people to come in with like a concept, uh, like a potential title, um, and a few points about what they want their talk to be about. And then we also have them send in like a real brief, was it a two minute long video? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, uh, we go through and, and we, we take a look at all of them and see what we feel has the most potential, what fits best with the theme, uh, and you know, go forward from there. Yeah, um, and getting it out, I mean, we emailed it to professors to share, because um, again, you know, we were looking for um, primarily the Ithaca community um, to get it. And then also we have a, uh, a LinkedIn page where we posted it. Um, and also, didn't we put it on some um, Facebook? We put it on some more community-based Facebook pages. Facebook pages. So, Tompkins County. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was basically like, tentative talk title, why are, are you interested in doing a TED Talk? Because again, like, um, being able to, it's, it's hard to see what kind of person you're going to get off of just a couple words, and we felt like that was a very important thing, like motivation as to why doing it. Um, a couple key points, and then how long, and then a video too, just so we can get like a sense of how they spoke and their presence. They spoke on the speakers and their experience working alongside them, giving positive reviews even though their experiences thus far has been all online. It's been incredible so far, honestly. These people are such incredible public speakers. And like, we haven't even been able to meet them in person yet. It's been all online. But just from that, you can already tell there's just this masterful script creation and the, the, the videos that they send to, to keep us posted with their updates. It's all just these incredible ideas condensed into just 10 to 15 minutes. It's so powerful. It's so meaningful. These people are incredibly talented. I think it's really cool to see also, I mean, because most of our people, again, are Ithaca alum, Ithaca faculty, and Ithaca students. Um, And I don't know, there's a sense of pride in seeing my peers and people that I, you know, look up to, look up to, um, come up with such interesting ideas and have such interesting things to say. Um, It feels really personal. They were all excited to hear from all of the speakers, but each board member did have one person that they were particularly excited to hear from. 
Camille started speaking on Nyjah Young, a current senior at Ithaca College who was planning on speaking on an individual's mindset and how to change it when in an argument. I'm excited to hear from Nyjah Young, um, their student here at IC, and I, their, the title of their talk is Redirecting an Argument for Changing Your Mind. And it's just talking about more so the student definition of success and kind of like empowering students. And as a student, like that's something that I am really, really interested in hearing and being able to see one of my peers flourish and being able to, you know, grasp this student and so many students that I see like are incredible and Brady spoke on Dominic Catone, who works as an organizational and industrial psychologist, planning to speak on one's own identity in this new era of workism, or overworking yourself in order to achieve success. I think if I had to pick one, uh, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Dominic Catone recently, who is giving a talk on burnout and how this concept of of how we push ourselves to chase success uh, eventually leads to just so much negativity. Uh, and it's been really interesting to, to watch that uh, watch that talk develop. And I think it's going to be even more interesting to see it on the stage. Claire chose John Gustafaro, who actually works as a magician in Las Vegas and plans to speak on finding empowerment through magic and does plan to do some tricks as well as teach the audience some tricks over the course of his talk. And I'll remind in here, just as like, I'm again, I'm really excited to see all of them, um, especially just because I only got to work with um, three of our speakers of the summer. Um, but one, just to kind of show the range, is I'm really excited for John Gustafero. Um, his talk is called Wonder is One Degree Away. Um, he's a magician. And um, just generally talking about how he's found empowerment and other forms of that through magic. Um, which, again, just really showing the range of the types of talks we have there. Um, he's also just really a great guy, nice, um, really nice to work with. Um, and I'm really excited to see him on stage. We concluded our conversation speaking on all the help they have received and being able to work alongside a supportive advisor like Mark Adana. I was going to say that I, I really appreciated all the support we've gotten. Um, genuinely, the faculty and staff, especially our um, advisor, Mark Adana, um, have been so supportive, honestly, and especially in, in bringing this talk back to the Ithaca community. Um, Everyone's been so supportive. Again, we got our budget approved um, to be able to pull it off. Um, campus and event services has been great in helping us plan and get this, you know, get the ball rolling on everything. Um, and yeah, couldn't be more grateful for them. Definitely. It's been difficult at times, but like all around that support and just the, the, the interest um, that people have in, in these talks and this program as a whole has been, you know, it's made it all worth it. 
October 22nd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. is when the TEDx event will be happening and will take place in Emerson Suites on Ithaca College's campus. If you're interested in learning more about the event, email TEDxIthaca at TEDxIthaca22 at gmail.com or follow their Instagram at TEDxIthacaCollege. For WICB News, I'm Beck Legato. The Firebrand Bookstore has been a staple of the Ithaca Commons for a decade now. This past Wednesday, the Ithaca Common Council met to vote on whether to award the Firebrand Books building a local landmark designation. WICB News correspondent Newt Andia attended the meeting and was able to hear from several different representatives and learn more about the importance of this spot on the Commons. Wednesday, October 5th, 2022, the City of Ithaca Common Council met to vote on whether to award the Firebrand Books Building at 143 East State Street a local landmark designation. Firebrand Books was an independent book publisher of lesbian, feminist, and anti-racist fiction and nonfiction founded in 1984 by Nancy Barriano. The site is included among the 32 local historic places featured on the Ithaca LGBTQ History Tour created by the Ithaca College LGBT Center. Firebrand Books lived and thrived for over 15 years, and my office was in what was then called the Home Dairy Building, and now is potentially going to be renamed the Andrus Home Dairy and Firebrand Books Building. And the reason that Firebrand was significant is because in those 15 plus years, um, a staff of myself and one other person and freelancers published 104 titles, many of which changed the lives of the women who read them. Firebrand was committed to publishing a wide variety, a great diversity of women in terms of race and ethnicity and cultural backgrounds. It was committed to publishing feminist and lesbian material. Um, and perhaps a third, I would say quite honestly, that a third of the books were by not white women. And that was quite intentional on my part because it was very clear to me that in order to understand what was happening in this burgeoning lesbian and feminist world, one had to listen to the voices of women who did not look like me. Between 1984 and 2000, Firebrand Books published and distributed 104 titles, including Alison Bechtel's Dykes to Watch Out for comic series, Leslie Feinberg's Stone Butch Blues, and poetry by Audre Lorde. Dykes to Watch Out For was one of the earliest ongoing representations of lesbians in popular culture, and Stone Butch Blues is considered a groundbreaking work on the complexities of gender identity. Members of the community spoke during public comment in favor of the landmark designation, including Brenda Marston, the curator of Cornell University Library's Human Sexuality Collection. Firebrand was at the forefront of lesbian small press publishing for over 15 years, and it gave a platform to influential cultural figures who challenged notions of race, gender, and sexuality, and whom we likely would not have heard from otherwise. It was Firebrand who recognized Alison Bechdel's genius long before the MacArthur Foundation did. Firebrand embodied intersectional feminism 
long before Kimberly Crenshaw coined the term. The story of Nancy Mariano and Firebrand Books is one of courage, social justice, and commitment to expanding the kinds of voices that have a platform to be heard. Jeff Ivoano, a historian specializing in gender and LGBTQ histories of the United States, also spoke in favor of the landmark designation and focused on the personal significance of Firebrand Books to him. Growing up in Buffalo, New York, I thought LGBTQ history only existed in large cities on the east or west coast like New York and San Francisco. That is, until I encountered a novel Nancy Berriano published in 1993, Leslie Feinberg's Stonebridge Blues, when I was an undergraduate. Feinberg was a working class Jewish transgender lesbian writer and revolutionary from Buffalo. Her semi-autobiographical novel tells the story of Jess Goldberg, a working class gay and gender non-conforming person who comes of age in Buffalo's factories and bars during the 1960s and 1970s. Though I'm not really the target audience for the press, this book changed my life. It expanded my vision and it showed me it's possible to be a queer historian from a place like Buffalo. Seeing oneself represented is a very powerful thing, and Firebrand existed during a period when mainstream publishing houses were not releasing books about the lives of women, LGBTQ people, or people of color. Had Leslie Feinberg not written Stonebridge Blues, and had Nancy Berriano not the boldness and cutting-edge vision to publish a book like this, I probably would not be, the, be doing the work I am today to document and conserve LGBTQ places in their history. I'm confident in stating that I'm just one hundred, if not thousands of people who have a similar story about how Firebrand books transform their lives for the better. In voting in favor of this nomination, you have the opportunity to demonstrate that Ithaca will chart a different, more just path and affirm the humanity of women and LGBTQ people in our history, specifically how they are contained within the built environment. You will also affirm the anti-racist principles Firebrand Books was founded upon and practiced for 16 years. For all of these reasons, I strongly urge you to vote in favor of locally landmarking 143 State Street, the Andrus, Home Dairy, and Firebrand Books building. Susan Holland, the director of Historic Ithaca, the sole historical preservation organization in Tompkins County, and Luca Marr, the director of the Ithaca College Center for LGBT Education, Outreach, and Services, and the interim executive director of student equity and belonging at Ithaca College, also spoke in support. Stories are great that you heard from the supporters here, and I suspect there are others all over the world, and we echo those sentiments of many. I wanted to just mention an important issue in the preservation community, and really for everyone, that we all recognize the crucial importance of putting historically underrepresented groups on our local and national registers of historic sites. Again, significantly, NC-centered works by authors whose work, who, who have been marginalized, um, works by culturally, socioeconomically, ethnically, and racially diverse authors that focus on themes of working class people, sexuality, violence, and hope, and as another young person growing up, impacted by um, all of those themes, um, particularly, see, again, seeing myself reflected in literature, as Jeff talked about, 
and also seeing stories uh, that showed uh, challenge, adversity, resilience, but also hope um, was really a driving force um, in my life and continues to be so today. Landmark designations and historic markers of key LGBTQ sites would greatly contribute to the experience of both visiting tourists and local residents alike and serve as reminders that LGBTQ history is Ithaca history and indeed American history. The council led by acting mayor Laura Lewis voted swiftly on the designation. All those in favor of this local landmark designation and that is unanimous. Thank you so much. Alderson person Cynthia Brock commented on the importance of Firebrand Books and the landmark designation. It is wonderful to have an opportunity to highlight and, and fix for future generations a location that has been a cultural leader in a movement, an inspiration, a safe space. Um, I know, I've known Nancy for years and the work that she's done, she's done, and I've been so impressed to learn about the history of Firebrand Books and her uh, creation and commitment and dedication to it, so I'm very happy to support that. Nancy Barriano spoke during public comment on her work at Firebrand. I just wanted to say tonight that I'm really very pleased and gratified that Common Council is considering this historic designation for the building where I worked for 15 and a half years um, and moved from one office to three offices on the same, on the same floor. And um, I hope that you will give your blessing to the recommendations from the Landmarks Preservation people because the kind of influence that Firebrands has had nationally is absolutely significant. And I don't say that as personal aggrandizement. I say that in terms of the many letters that have been received and the many articles that have been written about the work that we published and the significance of those books on people's lives. For WICB News, I'm New Andia. That's all for tonight's edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org. And if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear this show anywhere, anytime. Also, subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from Manager of Television and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager, Connor Hibbert, and Programming Director, Harrison Kana. Thank you. Ithaca Now is produced by News Director, Beth Legato, with assistance from News Managing Director, Jordan Broking, News Production Director, Inbayani Anvarasan, and our Web Coordinator, Evan Clark. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicb.org. We will be back with, with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday.